Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Strap on the headset, plug in the earbuds, you're in for a great episode as we head up north to Toronto to meet with Danny Horowitz. What a great storyteller. We really take a deep dive into how he approaches his music, how he assembles it, and how he gets it out to market. I think you'll be really intrigued. Let's listen to his song, Free Tonight. Today's guest hails from the north. 
Danny Horowitz is a Canadian singer-songwriter who has a knack for memorable melodies, storytelling, and vivid lyrics. His music has been played on radio stations across Canada, the U.S., Europe, and Australia. I'm really excited to explore his music as we get to know the artist behind the songs. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Good to have you here, Danny. Thank you for having me. I'm so I'm so happy to be here. So you're my first international guest, so congratulations on that. <laughs> Yay! We did it. You did it. You made it happen. It's international. I, what is amazing, and we were talking about this offline, is how we can connect people uh, to people on the internet. I had a, a punk, post-punk gal from Brooklyn find me through a TikTok video. Which, wow. which is amazing, you know. So it's I, I think we messaged each other, and and here we are. So it's it's really good to explore your stuff. So um, let, let's start this way. So you were you were born in Montreal, um, born in Montreal, yeah. And however, now you're over the border into uh, Ontario in Toronto. That's right. Both absolute beautiful cities. Anyone listening to this, if you haven't been there. To either place, Quebec, Montreal, Toronto, put it on your bucket list. Amazing culture and areas. So anyway, we'll we'll start off that way. I couldn't agree more. I love both of those cities. Uh, don't even put it on your bucket list. That implies you've got to get to it before you die. Come much earlier. <laughs> come when you're young. Come when you're vibrant. Go to Montreal in the summertime. Come to Toronto in the fall. Walk around. Eat our food. Go to our music scene. These are world-class, beautiful, wonderful cities. And they're both very near and dear to my heart. One of the things that stood out to me when I've been in Toronto, I think it's the longest boulevard in the world, is Young Young Street. That's right. Yep. Young Street. Which has yep. a – and I'm a big Neil Young fan, so I confess. So uh, I've heard about – he did he did an album where he was at a particular club in Toronto. And might have been the El Macombo. The El Macombo okay. was this uh, venue in the 70s that was legendary where the Stones played, Neil Young played, everybody played. It shut down, but the spot stayed, and they actually just reopened it uh, either during or just before the pandemic. They were doing renovations, and now it's it's back up. So I could be mistaken, but I think it might have been the El Macombo, which, which is not on Young Street. It's on Spadina, but, it, but Young Street is the longest street in the world. Okay, so let's – Enough with Neil Young. We can talk about Neil Young later. Let's let's talk let's talk about Danny Horowitz. So, Danny, tell me how did okay. how did music find you? When when did you first pick up an instrument? Give me the foundation so, of your art. I think music's always been a uh, a part of my life. When I was uh, when I was born, my my grandfather, who was a watchmaker by trade, closed the store before I was born because he was getting robbed so much. He's in Montreal, and he opened a record store. So even though my family moved to Toronto when I was little. We would have this great collection of records in the house. We were always, I was always listening to records and then later CDs. So it was always a, a part of, of my listening experience. And my dad had this um, acoustic guitar and he would sit me and my three brothers down at the foot of his bed and he'd play us songs, mostly Beatles songs or oldies uh, as they were even then called, and, uh, or, and a few original songs of his own. So music was always like there and around. Then when I was... Uh, eight or nine years old, wow. I ended up getting involved in the school choir. And you're asking yourself, why would you get involved in the school choir? Well, when I was a kid, there was this program where when you took extracurricular activities at school, you got a sticker at the end of the term and you get enough stickers, you get like a little plaque when you finish grade eight. Let's say. <laughs> so I'm in the fourth grade and they call the school, school, the school choir up and it's like just a ton of people. And I kind of being the smart alecky kid that I am, I nudge my friend's 
And I say, watch this. And I go up to collect a sticker that I didn't earn. And the choir director, Mrs. Claxton, shout out to Mrs. Claxton, gives me a look because she knows I'm not supposed to be there, but then gives me the sticker because she doesn't want to embarrass me. <laughs> so like next day or the day after, I go to say, uh, uh, to go to apologize to her. And she's like, Danny, like, to be honest, we need more boys in the school choir. Why don't you just join and earn the sticker? Oh, and so I did. Oh, so you weren't even in the so choir. All of the music I had at, yeah, so between all the music I had at home and now I'm learning to perform and I'm learning to sing, I think it was just inevitable that by the time I was 14, I was like, I need to – now I'm getting to an age where you want to express yourself. You really want to stretch your wings. I want to pick up an instrument. So I picked up my dad's guitar. I taught myself – to play guitar. He had an old book of Beatles songs and Eagle songs. And they had that picture where, what you, to do with your fingers. And I just learned simple, simple chords. Actually, the first song I might've learned was uh, either take it easy by the Eagles or uh, living on a jet plane by D John Denver. Mm -hmm. And just these very chords, obviously the, the Beatles stuff comes after that. And I've been playing music ever since and writing my own songs since I was 16. Nice. I, you know, the coolest thing about that story is I'm picturing in my mind your dad playing your songs, music at the edge of the bed, you know, yeah. is uh, not many people can make those claims, you know, which is, is dad still around? Is dad still alive? He he is still around. He's still vibrant. My parents yes. are actually in California right now. They, uh, they take to the winters down there. One of my brothers lives out in, in LA um, and they want to beat the heat. He doesn't play the guitar the way he should. Uh, and I encourage him to do it. He did, however, just recently write a song. Uh, one of those songs where he he name drops all of his grandchildren in it. It's a lovely song. <laughs> That's great. So he's doing well, and I want to keep encouraging him to 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 uh, to play the guitar. Incidentally, I went just the other day to record a song in the studio, and it involved a harmonica in the key of C. And I've got this Marine Band harmonica I was going to put on it. And uh, my dad mentions that my my grandfather, the one who in the record store, played harmonica, and he has my. Uh, my grandfather's harmonica. Oh, I was like, well, dad, can I, oh can I see it? Can I borrow it? So he lends it to me. It's really old. It kind of smells. I don't know if it's rotting on the inside or it's just like, cause it's never been cleaned for however many decades it's been around, but I take it to the studio just in case. And we lay down some of it and it actually sounds, um, it's such a big harmonica that it sounds kind of like an accordion. And both of the harmonicas are going to be mixed into the, I, I know, I think I know, I, I think it's kind of cool. I think I know the harmonica you're talking about. Cause when my wife and I would go around to antique shops, which is kind of disgusting now that I think about it. You know, somebody blowing their their spittle into these instruments. You know, <laughs> but I had a like a chromatic. Um, it must have been about this big, which is about eight inches wide, and it had it sounded like an organ. It had like a vibrato to it. I don't know if that's the same one that you're talking about. It, it, it might be. So the one that I play is a Marine Band harmonica, which is a Hofner. Um, the typical and, blues and the same company makes something called, called a Goliath. That's the big one. The Goliath is the one that sounds like a. While we're talking about harmonicas, can I tell you another cool story that just happened? Well, okay. okay. Well, okay. <laughs> we're only here to talk music. So, earlier this year, I recorded a bunch of songs that are going to be put out over the next year. Um, and and this one that I just recorded, we kind of added it on because I got a free studio day, and I thought, well, what can we do with this? With this story? nice. But I recorded a song, one of my oldest oldest songs, called "Love You to the End." Um, and when we recorded it, my main musician, my main studio musician, Sean says, I have this idea for harmonica part. I thought, all right. So for months, this is back in March. We're now in uh, almost December. So it, months, he's saying he's talking about a harmonica part. Me and my producer are like, well, it sounds good the way it is. Maybe we don't need the harmonica part. But I, and I say, but Sean is so good. And he had this idea in mind. I really want to see at least what he does. So I message him like, can you do it? A couple of weeks ago, he's like, yep, I'm going to do it this weekend. Guaranteed. 
So this Sunday, I message him saying, how did the recording go? Assuming he's going to say he put it off again. And then I would just let him off the hook. And instead, he tells me the story that not only did it go really well, he's using Bruce Springsteen's harmonica. What? And I was like, oh, wait, what? Bruce Springsteen's harmonica? You mean like the same kind? He says, no. His sister went to a Springsteen concert years ago, was in the front row on somebody's shoulders. Springsteen plays Thunder Road. Then at the end of the song, he takes his harmonica, gives it to her. So as Sean is rummaging around trying to find his harmonica, he's like, wait a minute. My sister has one in the right key, borrows it from her, and then he recorded with that harmonica. So I said to my producer, Calvin, I don't care if it's just one bar. You have to mix this harmonica in because I need this story in my life more than I Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, that's a great stuff. That's a great, yeah. great story. I'm a big uh, Springsteen fan. I read his uh, his biography, and it was just beautiful. And his, uh, if you haven't seen the um, Bruce Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix, I mean, it, it just brought tears to my eyes. It's just he's got an amazing story yeah. beyond beyond his art. You know, just the backstory is 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 really beautiful. Now, let, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm jumping great. on you. Let me let me ask you a question. How does you sound like you? pretty prolific with writing how, how what's what's your approach to writing um do you purposefully sit down to attract the muse or what's what's your process i know it's different with every song but generally speaking it, it is different but but the key is there's this idea uh the, the discipline of discipline okay so i set aside time to play music most, if not every day. I love playing the guitar. I love going to the piano. I wouldn't say that I'm good at playing. I'm not the best studio musician. I'm not the best, you know, uh, 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 live performer. But what I love is thinking about music, thinking about songs, thinking about stories in particular. And I just love playing. I love singing. I love the act of it. So I set aside time for myself. And it's in that everyday activity that songwriting occurs in a number of ways. Mm. Mostly, if you were to ask me mostly how it happens is I'm strumming chords and it might be a chord progression I played a hundred times before, or it might be a chord progression I'm just trying out. Right. I'll put the capo on, I'll do something differently. I'll start humming to myself and I'll feel something. I'll go, ooh, what is that feeling? What is that telling me? Right. Let me put a word to it. Okay, now I've got a couple of words to it. What is a pic do I have a picture in my mind? Can I use words to draw that picture out and then turn that picture into a story? That's usually how it happens. It starts with playing instruments. But I also have on my phone, as I'm sure a lot of people do, like uh, uh, um, a thing with like like notes and poems that I've written. And right. so sometimes I have words that I have forever. And I'm like, what can I do with this? Let me go with intention on the guitar and put something to it. Sometimes it's a combination. I've had a poem or half a poem that I've had forever. And then um, I'm playing on the guitar one time with some chords. I'm like, oh, that's this. I remember this would fit with this. And sometimes enough time goes by that I just like I – need to sit down, I need to write a song, and I just need to write something. I just need to do something, and so I do something. Now, in all of those cases, you want to talk about the discipline of discipline, it almost never works out that I like the end result. That I, but I'm doing it. I scrap it, forget about it. But maybe I keep a piece of it, and I remember it for later, and that's important. And so when you when you multiply that through every day, all the time, if I am end up you know doing a bit of songwriting once a day or even one, – sorry, once a week or even once a month, over the years, they they add up. And it's like a snowball because when I'm on a roll and when I've written like one really good song, I'm really proud. I'm like, oh, let me jump back and do it more. And sometimes you can crank out in like a couple of weeks, a bunch of songs. Some of them end up being, you know, pretty good. And sometimes you go through dry spells. So does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. does. And I just want to clarify one, one point when you say scrap it, you're never throwing it out. 
you may not just produce a song out of it and you'll put it to the side when you say you scrap it, right? Like I, yeah, well, I'll put it to the side, but if I don't, but but a lot of times I won't even re- record it. I'll just have like hum something, and I, and if I don't record it on my phone, it does end up for better or word or for lack of a better word being scrapped. But that's also not the end of the world because what I find in my songwriting, the main thing is, can I remember the tune the next day? Hmm. It used to be that I didn't have a phone. I started, you know, on, on like notebooks or things. Sure. I'd have to write a song and then I have to remember it the next day because on paper, all I would have is the chords, if that, and the lyrics. And so the next day, could I remember the song? If I can remember the song, then I know that it's a good song. So I'm not worried about scrapping any pieces of it because if it's something that's going to stick with me, it'll come back. So what I'm hearing, the double litmus test that I'm hearing from you, and I get this with when I'm doing some creative writing, is when you get that uh, butterfly feeling of I've got something here. That that's a bit of a litmus test to say keep keep going and 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 draw it out. And the other litmus test for you is memory to see is it memorable to me? Is it lingering in, in the wiring of my mind uh, to produce something out of it? That's 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 pretty cool. Hey, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I just want to talk about your recording process and how you do it because one of the things that I did recognize in your music were the arrangements. The arrangements were really really cool and, and somewhat complex. And there's also a particular singer-songwriter who I'm a big fan of that has the same characteristics as your voice. And we'll leave that as a mystery till we come back. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com. Check out all our social media links. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Please comment. Call the listener line. Tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show and most of all we thank you for your generous support and remember support the artists who are guests on the show now back to the podcast hey everybody welcome back this is steve yusko your host with danny horowitz and danny and i were talking offline and thinking about everybody he thought he sounded like and he didn't get it right you know and i came up with the tonality of danny's voice is very similar in my ear to a guy named steve forbert who Danny has never heard of, but now he's going to investigate. And Well, you don't have to shame me in front of the audience. I'm going to go look him up and I'll listen to him. <laughs> in fairness, I did, I, I did say that I thought your answer was going to be Danny Horowitz, which would have yeah. been... Are we, we're trying to say Danny Horowitz about a thousand times in this podcast. So if you don't get anything else, you're going to remember Danny Horowitz, <laughs> his name. That's right. D-A-N-Y-H-O-R-O-V-I-T-Z. That's one N in Danny, V not a W in Horowitz. I'm everywhere. That's it on social media for sure. And it's usually at, yeah. well, at Danny, D-A-N-Y, Horowitz in TikTok right. and Instagram. Well, now I'm, now I'm at TikTok. I'm, I'm uh, at Danny Horowitz one on TikTok. Um, that's a funny story, but I, I've been banned by TikTok for sending and receiving messages because I was just messaging people, people, you know, online so much. The TikTok, I guess was telling me that like, this isn't what our app is for. Our app is for you to make for videos scrolling. and for us to collect <laughs> from you. Um, but instead I was using it to message people because I just use social media as a tool to promote my music. So they banned me from sending messages. So I made a new account at Danny Horowitz one 
And I'm, you know, I'm also messaging people and some guy messages me and he's like, you're not the real Danny Horowitz, which I took as a compliment because he has to know who Danny Horowitz is in order to accuse me of being an imposter. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's jump into, I'm curious how you uh, lay your tracks down. And one of the things uh, I was very interested in hearing was your, I think your arrangements and production of your songs are fantastic. It, it really gives a lot of texture to it. Um, so how, so what's your approach you. with that? Well, I don't record them at home. I go into a studio with professionals. That's the number one okay. thing. I have a phenomenal studio uh, that I work mostly out of called Dreamhouse Studios. My producer is named Calvin Hartwick, and he's uh, he's outstanding. He's he's an engineer, producer, uh, a mixer. His 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 ear and his instincts are fantastic. And uh, through him, I also hire studio musicians. Uh, uh, on the first album, uh, Free Times, a studio musician named John Foster, who's a drummer, and on the on the al- music that's coming out and Morning Light and Down Into the Dark that have already been released, a drummer named Cola Anthony Humphreys. But the main musician is a guy named Sean Royal who plays bass for a local band, but he plays everything. And so when you talk about production, I have a demo that I make okay. at home that's kind of a skeleton. Calvin hears it and he sends it out to the to the musicians. We first put down drums and bass, and that makes the backbone of a song. And sometimes it's the way exactly that I've always envisioned that it would be, which is the case uh, with Free Tonight, for example. And sometimes it dramatically changes the character of a song altogether, which is the case with another song called Care For You, for example. Once the backbone is in, the rhythm section, bass and drums, then we start putting in the other instrumentation, the guitar, the piano, uh, accordion, harmonica, whatever – we have, then we have the sort of the instrument with a vocal scratch that I've, that mm-hmm. I've produced. After that, I'll go in and do the vocals. And uh, there's a really lovely singer-songwriter who herself is a talented singer-songwriter, but also a harmony expert named Kara McKinley. And she comes in, um, uh, it, it, not on my first album, but moving forward and for the recent releases, and helps me figure out mm. the harmonies. And so between that, we late, we spend an evening per song spread out over you know many weeks and months to save my voice to record all the vocals. And when the vocals are done, then I'll add the non-drum percussive instruments, the egg shaker, tambourine, woodblock, all the stuff on the, that happens on an unconscious level. And then it gets mixed. So Calvin's like an award-winning sound engineer. He's also an award-winning mixer. Um, Downward Into the Dark was mixed by this phenomenal uh, Grammy award-winning uh, uh, mixer named Dave Schiffman, who's also uh, mixed another song that's coming out next year called Sorry From The Road. So it's just like, when you ask me what's the recording process, I use professionals. I collaborate with them. I defer to them. We talk about it. We put it together. I trust them. And then at the end of the day, I use a professional mixer to make sure that it sounds perfect. So when you go and you listen to it, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a musical act to be taken seriously because if I really believe in my songs, and I do, I have to give it every chance within my budget to sound as good as it possibly can. And I think that that is the way to do it if you're going to take your your musical journey seriously. There's nothing wrong with being a bedroom musician. Nothing wrong at all. But it, you know, it, it will. Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, it's amazing as a hack musician myself, one of the things we learn is you got to train, you got to train your ear. Okay. So you're going to have a certain ear for your music, but now, and I'm really glad that you expressed that being open to a collaborative team effort and saying, you know what? I have my ear in how I hear things, but I want to hear how they hear it. And then giving it to the final mix, the person that mixes it down really, um, really can give you that other 
uh, perspective or other viewpoint into your song to tweak it the way it goes. And then you listen to it and say, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, many times, oh, I didn't hear that. Well, hey, listen to this. I have a good friend, Mike Nugent, who lays down tracks, great musician. And every time I'm at his studio, he's like, oh, 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 oh listen to this. Listen to this. Do you hear that there? Do you hear this there? And, and it's so great to have that pulled out and, and get that experience of, of, of where it's going to go. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be too precious about all of that stuff because the joy of doing it is collaborating with professionals who know what they're doing. The joy is having other people say, this is what I like. This is what I'm hearing. Let's add this. Let's think about that. Like the whole process for me is, 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 is wonderful. Whereas if I, first of all, no one would want to work with me if I was, a, if I was a complete, megalomaniac and second of all i don't think i would enjoy the process as much it's kind of the same thing you know at the end of the process with the audience when they hear it i get comments and messages from people as i'm sure a lot of musicians do and it it doesn't matter to me what the song means to me it matters what it means to you there's this theory of literature that says that the reader is the is the author of the meaning and i think that that's that that's true so the reader is the author of the meaning in the collaboration studio, it's freeing for me to think of myself no longer as the author. Yes, my name is on it. Yes, I get the final say and, and so on. But a certain part of me is always thinking, well, it's a collaborative effort because we're together creating something that other people are going to derive their own meaning and, and, and connection. The other thing I think that is cool is that that vocal harmony gal that, that comes into the studio. And I had that experience in a band yeah. where we had, had this guy, Rob. And Rob and we had these uh, mom and daughter who were great, just great harmonized. Five ladies who sang with us, and and Rob was harsh in the beginning, but he would pull things out and say, "Okay, I want you to grab this or grab that." Uh, it was abrasive at first, or or was perceived that way. Then after a while, they appreciated, "Hey, this guy's got a trained ear. He's been doing it for thirty years, and and he yeah. can hear things, and it and it." put together a harmony because the vocals are so, so important in that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they, they are. And, and I'm trying to be conscious of balancing that when I do hear the mixes, my, um, my, my mixer, Calvin, because the instrumentation is so good and the arrangement is so beautiful. We want to highlight it, but at the same time, we forget that you can very easily bury the vocals if you're not sure. careful. And, you know, um, one of the reasons why Calvin wants to work with me is he likes my songs. He likes my lyrics. He likes my, my stories, and then if you bury the the lyrics that the audience can't hear, it you're you know you're emphasizing the, the band aspect. But yeah, lyrics are important. So adding harmonies that are effective, adding um, change ups to the normal melody, which we'll do in the studio, helps because it it highlights. Anytime you change that something in a song, you add the harmony, you make that change up, it'll re-emphasize the vocals as well without necessarily taking away from the the instruments. Although another way to do it is just to make the vocals louder. I mean, it's it's very it's very pop to have the the vocals super forward and a little more you know rock or band to have it a little broader with with the instruments. I like to think we we get that mix right. I haven't yet felt that uh, the stories get get lost um, in the in the music. Gotcha. One one of the things I want to bring out to the audience is I'm really glad that you threw credit out to the people that you mentioned. Uh, I put together, uh, you'll see as you're looking at your phone, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll see different photos pop up of the different people that we mentioned and the links on the web to their bios and studios and background so that if you have an interest and you want to look them up, boy, their inf- their information is uh, going to be there as well. Hey, Danny, I want to talk about, you mentioned it briefly, 
Our audience heard uh, on the intro before we came in and started talking, Free Tonight. Tell me a little bit about that song yeah. when it was done and how that came to be. I mentioned earlier a song called Love You to the End, which had the Bruce Springsteen harmonica. Around the same time, I was like 19 or so, I wrote Free Tonight. I think Free Tonight is the first time that I wrote a song that I actually thought to myself, like, wow, this is a good a good song. And I've been playing it all through the years ever since. It's the song I probably play the most to myself. It's the song I probably play the most to friends, or at least until, um, you know, recently, now that I've been recording, I do get some mm-hmm. requests. Um, and as luck would have it, it's the song that I have the most streams on right right now, at least on, on uh, Spotify. And it's the example of the song that I have a, an idea in my mind. And then when we go into the studio, it becomes exactly what I want it to be the best version of itself, but also even better. You know, it's got the pacing that I want. It's got the performance that I want. Um, uh, but then when you get to the musical break, that's Sean on the piano and he's doing some stuff and I'm like, Oh, I like that. Hey, can you do that again? And can you, and we talk about it. So it's a very collaborative effort, but in some ways, but it's also in some ways exactly the song that I always kind of felt that it would, that it would be. And I love it. And I'm so happy that it turned out the way that it turned out. I mean, the story behind the song is, is kind of simple. You know, you're, you're a young man you're trying to think about how to write songs. I lived in a place in Montreal as a student and there was this orange light from the street that would come into my room. And no matter like how much the nightshade or the, uh, the window would be covered by, by a shade, mm-hmm. the light would seep through. And one night I had this dream that I was like in this room and outside there was an orange light and it was the world <laughs> on fire. And these anarchists were leafly throwing all of their possessions into the fire and burning down the world. But I was safe with this, with this other person, with this woman. And I, I, I was like, I, I got to remember, I got to write something down. And so I wrote some stuff down, you know, city boys, city girls, electric fires, electric heat, whatever. And then, and then, okay. Then the, the dream kind of fades, but in writing it down, mm-hmm. you can remember some of it. And then I started picture and it ends up becoming this sort of like unabashedly romantic song, but it came out of this dream. And it, it, I think it was the first time that I looked at it. I said, this is kind of poetry. It's not just words on paper. And, uh, um, and so it's a very meaningful song to me wow, and also one great. that I enjoy. One thing is, and look, we've only spent a, a few moments together. You have a great knack for telling stories. So that's obviously reflected in your music. Okay, you. Now saying that, let's talk about the second song you brought to the table, Downward Into the Dark. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, and then yeah. we'll let the audience have a listen to it. This one is a, is, is a, the first song on an EP that's coming out on uh, January in January, 2023, the EP is called the candle is worth the game. And it's going to be an emotional arc from dark to light. And I say that uh, because it's four songs. The first song starts really dark and it gets a little lighter. And at the end, there's a lightness to it. The idea is that the candle is worth the game is a French expression that basically means something is worth doing. If the cost of that thing is worth doing back in the day, you had to bring your own candle to a card game. And so it was only worth it if the winnings covered the cost of the, the candle of the cost of illumination. And so the candle is worth the game is me saying that there's a lot of darkness in humanity, a lot of darkness to be had, but life continues to be worth living. The cost is worth it. The candle is worth the game. That out of the way, downward into the dark specifically is about the darkest subject that I, that I can think of. And my heart was broken with 
this thing I saw in the news. It was all over the news in Canada. I don't know if it made it down to the States, but they found on the um, on the properties of former residential schools, these very mass fa- graves. Very familiar with the story. Children. Absolutely. So it's not a political song by any means, but I think that our entire country's hearts collectively broke. And I don't write songs from the headline. I mean, they're usually just fictional stories, but I, I just sat down and it, and, and it poured out of me. And it's just an emotional response to that and uh and and it it is a it is a pretty grim song and it's a pretty dark subject matter and um as we produced it we brought in a um a strings guy this guy named mike tampa who's fantastic and he he added cello Mm. and violin and made the whole song really just 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 come alive and 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 really bring out those those deep emotions And, and i'm very proud of the way that it that it came about and I'm, and I'm very proud of the way that it, that it ended. I wish it was a song that didn't have to be written, obviously. Um, but, but I'm grateful for all my collaborators to make it as, as good as it, as, as it can be. Um, and I think it is one that, that does connect with people, uh, similar to the scar on the first album. I do get a lot of messages of downward into the dark from people who, who don't even know what it's about. They just know it's about some tragedy involving children. All right. And- so let's uh, have a listen to downward into the dark and we'll be right back after the song. Check it out, everyone. A thousand bodies buried shallow, never deep, found in the ruins of a playground makes you weep a thousand pairs of parents forced to sow what others reap while the holy and the faithful lose no sleep all our days are numbered but all of theirs were cold made to live a lie made to do what they were told Never to be freed Their lives were all controlled Stolen from their families Never to grow
welcome back, everybody, with here with Danny Horowitz. And yeah, it's a dark song, but it's a song that uh, has to be sung to to really put it out there. So you were going to expand a little bit more on the motivation for you to write that. Yeah, because we talked a bit about I talked a bit about the um, the songwriting, the production. But one thing I definitely don't want to gloss over is that this happened to the indigenous communities in Canada. Um, not long after Confederation, Canada established uh, the government in, in cooperation with the Catholic Church established these these residential schools. Now, I'm not a historian and I'm not a politician, and I apologize if I'm getting any of the details wrong. But the idea was to educate um, uh, indigenous children, and what effectively happened was uh, taking kids from their parents and putting them in schools to deny them of their of their yep. heritage, and that itself is what you know is is a national tragedy but what came out more recently is the is the mass is the wide scale abuses that were going on at these right. schools and 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 what ended up be, becoming more apparent was that it wasn't just abuse it was also murder and the murders were were being covered up by by droves and scores and again I'm not a I'm not a reporter or or politician um, but but you know it must be said it happened to the indigenous community. It's something that Canada in recent decades has I think brought more to light, and it is a conversation that's constantly happening uh, in in our country. But that but it but it must be said that it's the sort of thing that never should have happened that did happen, and we need to work to uh, to repair our, our our relationship with with the uh with the original caretakers of our land yeah. uh, you know you know what they say they say that um you know those in power or the conquerors write write the history books and i think there's yeah. a tremendous movement and i can only speak about the states of looking at what was never reported or put out as truth at kind of like a glossed over history to teach a third and fourth grader I had a, I had a um, great guy, a guy named Mark Newman on who wrote – I don't know if you are aware of the Tulsa massacre in the 1920s in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I was made aware of it by the television show. Okay. So Mark Newman wrote a song called Tulsa and he took the position of a man coming back to his town burning. And our discussion at the time was even though it was a dark song – it was important, in my opinion, to uh, start discussions of, wow, that happened. Why did it happen? Why, why don't we know about it? How come I wasn't taught that in school? And I think songs like yours uh, will spur on other conversations to say, you know, oh, gee, and, and especially hearing what it's about um, uh, will bring shed light on things and moving from the darkness yeah, into thanks. light. The light on the truth is the best thing that that can come about. So, thank you. Yeah, and you know it's a funny thing. History is written by the victors, but it, it's not like I am the victor who, who wrote history. In the modern context, a country built on so many immigrants for so many decades, this song and these incidents aren't. I don't think they're meant to like put blame on, on anybody today. It's to highlight the reason to highlight the national shame is to is 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 to learn and grow. Hopefully, move move together. And I, I will say that my uh, the Kara McKinley, the, the harmony expert I was telling you about, and singer songwriter, mm -hmm. uh, she she herself is is Métis, and I was proud to have her on board. And uh, and I was uh, moved when, when she mentioned that she you know was moved herself by the song. Um, and uh, and and I'm still learning 
all the time. I'm trying to educate myself. And I'm not here to, I'm not here to oh, no, listen. I'm no, yeah, I got a couple of soapboxes. We can get on top of them. It, this yeah. is all good things. You know, M- music yeah, heals not, the world, you know, in a lot of different ways, yeah, not, you know? So, so that's all I, I, I just, uh, yeah. So that's the starting point for my EP, this very dark thing that, that happened. And, uh, and the other single that was released before the EP came out was, is morning light, which is sort of the opposite instead of being widespread, and uh and disastrous it's it's very intimate and it's about how in one's own insecurities you can find safety and love and joy with the acceptance of another person and that song is called morning light and that's at the end of 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 the ep and in between will be two other songs and i found um an indigenous artist named lily mason who put together this amazing these amazing paintings for me the final ep and then the two singles downward into the dark and morning light have variations on that main painting where downward is very washed out and gray and kind of uncomfortable and morning light is sort of full of, of, of color and, and brightness. And then the candle is worth the game. Final cover is sort of like rich with color, but also at night and you almost get a sense of, of opportunity, which is life. And she's just this amazing artist. And uh, I hope people listen to the music and I hope they, they get a chance to admire her. Greatly. So we, we spoke about your process, the muse, how you develop it and how you're purposeful about that, how you go into the studio with professionals. How do you take what you've done in the studio besides the social media and what you want to do to expose people to your music, which is great. And that's what I think is great about this podcast. It's just another platform. How, how do you approach, how do you approach gigging or going out and playing live? That's a good question. In the studio, I've got musicians with me and mostly they're playing the instruments. Um, I'm doing the vocals. I wrote the song on a guitar. I'm not a studio musician. Increasingly, I am doing a bit of studio production. On the last set of songs, I actually did play guitar, the lead guitar on, uh, on, on, on two of the songs and sort of backup rhythm guitar on another song. And I'm all, I've always done like the, you know, the, 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 the cowbell and the block and the egg shaking timbre. So what I do when I go live, when I don't have a band right. behind me is I practice acoustic covers at home the way that I would write them, but I practice them and I polish them. And then I get on stage and I have an intimate show where I'm doing acoustic covers of my song. So if you come to see a show, at least for now, you're going to have a very intimate experience. And I tend to play smaller bars. Um, if I become more established and more successful, then I would look into hiring a band with mm-hmm. me to with me and try to more accurately replicate the, the songs. I was talking with with friends who are musicians and non-musicians alike because I was getting a little anxious sure. about this. And the message that I got universally was people don't always expect to hear a studio recording when they go to a concert. A lot of people like the idea of going to a concert to hear someone do something different. Oh, I, different I, version oh, of the I song. agree. I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, when, when I was a younger man, I went to see Jackson Brown. And when I went to see Jackson Brown, it was the Running on Empty tour. And basically, he played the studio album in concert. And I walked away from it. I liked the music, but I was really disappointed because I didn't want to hear what I could play on the record. I wanted to hear nuances and some just some other things, but it was exactly like that. And I keep turning back to that. Um, maybe people are more conscious about you know how, how they present themselves. And you know what? There is singer-songwriters, and there's an entertainment aspect to it when you're out in front of people with an audience – and I find those entertainers who really feed off the spirit of the audience and have that yin and yang or the back and forth, the ebb and flow, 
uh, that's magical. And it's, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, I've, I've seen acts who've gotten up there and I've seen them a few times and going, now they're pulling the same trick, <laughs> you know, as opposed to kind of feeling the room. Uh, who am I? I'm not, I don't have the guts to get up there. I don't know where that there. comes from either. I don't know where that comes from either. We talk about in society, like introverts and extroverts and what that means and mm. so on. But maybe because I feel the energy of a crowd when I get up there and I think I'm more of an extrovert in that way. But maybe it, there is something where you have to leave yourself open to receiving the energy of the crowd. Because there always is, even if it's two people in a crowd, if, if one of them is giving you a smile and eye contact, it can it can be all you need. Sure, sure. You have that. In fact, I, I, I did that when uh, when I was learning public speaking. Uh, one of my coaches said, hey, you know what? Look for that one cheerleader in the audience because the people want you to succeed. They really do. You know, they, they, they don't want to see you, see you crumble. And when you find that person, maybe that's all the encouragement that you need, you know? Hey, see, yeah. the flip side of that is going to a bar where people are talking the entire time and no one's listening, but you find that one person, in the crowd is watching. Yeah, exactly. And it depends on what you're there for. Sometimes you're there to be the spotlight and entertainment. And sometimes you woo them over from their conversation and other times your background music. Yeah, I just want people to have a good yeah. time. Just have a good yeah, time. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned more um morning light. Let's talk about that song and let's have the audience listen to that. Well, you're gonna tell me about it. <laughs> so uh I, I'll 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 give you the honest answer. Uh I uh one time did a bunch of shrooms oh, at cool. my home. Um, I love mushrooms. mushrooms. I love mushroom soup. Oh good. Yeah, I don't you never know with Americans, but oh, thanks a I lot. All right, we're gonna go there, huh? <laughs> Actually, you never know with Canadians yeah, too. You just you just never know. But but I think where we're going in society is to giving a little more thought to things like meditation and mindfulness and, and, and psychedelics. And if you've never taken magic mushrooms, unlike booze or alcohol, you, where you get hungover with magic mushrooms, when it's done, you're left with what what people call an afterglow. And I was feeling the afterglow of this mushroom trip. I was like, man, I just want to listen to some John Denver. And so I put on a John Denver essential playlist. And I thought, I want to write a song like this guy, just something simple and beautiful that's a little vulnerable. And I sat down and this song, Morning Light, kind of poured out of me. And that's that's the story. So it wasn't really part of the trip, but it was certainly like in the afterglow. And it's not what you'd think is psychedelic music at all. It certainly isn't Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix or any of that, but... It's the it's it's what I got when I it's my psychedelic. No, I didn't song. know where you were going with that story. I'm so glad you didn't say that you felt like flying a plane like right after that because then that would that would have made me a little <laughs> made. No, no, no. I was I was at okay. home and I did because yeah, because you could be have a glow and you could be glowing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. You listen. Be safe. Set and setting is important. Always be safe. A hundred percent. I was just you know. Uh, Couple, of, you know, a bunch of hours later, I, I was finally hungry again. I was eating. Someone's like, "Man, I, I just want to listen to some feel good right. music," and I did. That's that's amazing. All right, let's take a listen to Morning Light. We'll, we'll be right back after the song. Hang with us, everybody. I will always love you as long as you love me. That is the only condition I will ever make I will always be here Whenever you awake Whatever you're running from, they'll wait I can take the truth And I can take the pain 
So rest your weary eyes tonight You got a lot to say But we have loads of time And I'll be here in the morning light And I have all these questions too like Am I enough? I cannot be anyone but Whoever the hell I am I know you want a Simon, I know you want a rock, but I've never been that strong. See, I have all these fears, I know you feel the same, but rest your weary eyes tonight. I got so much to say, and we have loads of time, and I'll be here in the morning light. December, you were running from your life. You were running for a place to clear your mind. And I was hiding, I was waiting for a time. I was hoping that no one would find me there. I can't fix what isn't broken And knowing that you see me Is all I really care I'll love you till the day I die So you can say the truth And you can speak the pain But rest your weary eyes tonight You got a lot to say we have loads of time And I'll be here in the morning light I'll always hear you I'm always near you Right beside you Rain or shine We got a lot to learn And we have all our lives So that's your weary eyes tonight And I'll see you Great song. Hey, everybody. We're back. This is Steve Yusko, your host, of course, with Danny Horowitz. Danny, great song. A lot of great songs. There's so much to uh, really dive into. You've kind of wet my appetite. Uh, and I hope, and I'm sure Thank with you. our audience to say, hey, I want to hear what else this guy's got. Because it's, uh, you've got, what we what we showed is just the tip of the iceberg, really. I'm only just getting started. I have a huge pipeline of music and a plan. So, Ooh. Um, I, as I said, I released Downward Into the Dark and, and Morning Light earlier uh, uh, this fall. I, I have the EP, The Candle is Worth the Game, coming out in January. Now, with a, another singer-songwriter out of Toronto, 
uh, kind of a, a young punk rocker named Jonathan Panetta. We re- wrote and recorded a song together called Make Use of Your Time. That just came out in November. So if you want a little different flavor, a little more of a rock Danny flavor, you can listen to that. But really get excited. Please follow me on, on Spotify uh, and, and, and listen to my music now. The Candle is Worth the Game is coming out, like I said, in January. But I've got another uh, uh, album of eight songs that's going to be released slowly, one a month, starting in the spring. Um, so you're going to have tons of Danny Horowitz music over the next year. That album is called Finero Rhyme. Also, a fun story about that name, Finero Rhyme, uh, is also kind of psychedelic in nature. Back in the 40s, when a bunch of philosophers and scientists were sitting around thinking about what they would call the group of mind-altering substances that eventually became known as psychedelics, Aldous Huxley, the British author, suggested the term Finero Time, which is a reference to the, the Greek word for mind-altering. So me calling the album Finero Rhyme is my own little clever way of saying that music is also a mind-altering substance. Ah. And this album is going to be interesting because it's a lot of rock. It's a bit more rock and fulsome. If if Three Times was an album where I really could get, you know, the, the version of the songs that I always wanted in a couple of places really surprised myself about where songs could go, and certainly in all cases surprised myself by what was possible in the studio – this one is where we, we take that to the next level and we add a lot more instrumentation. Uh, we, we, we think through arrangements a lot more. The harmonies are built up more. And it starts off very rock and then slowly comes down, starts off really energetic and slowly comes down and lends you off very beautifully into, in, into oh, a Oh, 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 I thought of some more questions. So, all right. Yeah, so, please. First, a comment. One, I watched some of your videos. The videos are really cool, the way you layered the uh, lyrics on it and script and stuff like that. That was really neat. So I, I want to encourage people to go to your YouTube channel and check out your your music videos as well. You know, but tell me uh, what's interesting to me is an LP is like a shorted version of it, uh, an album. What's the logic in putting out an EP as opposed to waiting to put out the album or the approach that you're taking by spoon feeding it out, so to speak? Oh, such a good question. Okay. Uh, the vanity in me wanted to put out an album. So I put out three times, but my producer convinced me to put as many singles as I could out before I did that to maximize the number of releases because in the modern era, nobody's listening to full albums. And it's true. Eventually I sent three times to friends. They listen to like two or three songs then they would just kind of, yeah, I'll get to the rest of it later. Mm. But if you put out songs one at a time, they'll listen to three minutes every month or every couple of weeks. So doing out slowly is the correct thing if what you want is to get people to get built in they live busy lives and don't have time to listen to a full album and once the full album is out there they can listen to the whole thing eventually there's always there's always more time infinity after something has happened than before right. so if you can be patient and release it you can you can milk it why an ep and then an, an album later this year so i i do recordings in groups of 10 three times was 10 i have um 10 songs I'm recording this January, 2023, that will start being released in 2024. I have another uh, batch of 20 some odd songs that I'm going to have ready for January of 2024. When we pick 10 songs to be recorded and then released in 2025. In 2022, we recorded 10 songs. I heard four of those songs, Downward Into the Dark, After Last Call, uh, Loneliness and Rhyme and Morning Light. And I felt that they had their own arc and I really wanted to separate them out. And that's why that's an EP. Um, uh, the other songs, the other seven, uh, six songs, I thought were, were wonderful. And then by themselves would be a little bit more rock. And as it happens, I, through Spotify for Artists' notable program, got a free day of studio time. So I turned to Kara and I said, can we take this other song that was the 11th song not to be recorded 
on uh, on on session three. Can we um, can we uh, do something with that day? And so we did. And now that's a seventh song to add to the six. So instead of one short LP and one longer LP, it's kind of like one one EP and then one short LP, one short cool. LP. And an EP is like a half LP, which is an album. I tell you, I learned something every episode. It's it's interesting. Hopefully that makes sense. I, I was kind of yeah. No, I got a little confused, uh, but I'll listen to it again, and I think I think yeah. I'll get it down. <laughs> hey, hey, Danny, we're gonna list all your social media connections in the chapter marks. Really, I mean, what a great conversation. You're a great storyteller. I do want to have you back on the program, especially with these new releases. We we, we would would yeah, you come I back? Hundred hundred percent, Stephen. It's been great to talk with you. And uh, maybe at some point after the Candlesworth game's out, and either while I'm releasing songs for in Finero Rhyme or, or towards the end, of that, I'd love to come back tell you about that process, tell you about the songs that I've been recording. It's great to chat with great. you. Great. Well. And then when you got two seasons in Canada, you got winter in July. So I'll be back up in July. Construction in this right. yeah. No, it's winter. We got winter and construction <laughs> here again. All right, brother. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to talk to you again. Please, everybody, check out Danny, D-A-N-Y, Horowitz. He's everywhere. He really is. And you can find me on on, on Spotify, D-A-N-Y-H-O-R-O-V-I-T-Z. If you just type in D-A-N-Y space H-O-R-O, you'll probably find me. On Instagram, Danny Horowitz. Type in D-A-N-Y-H, you'll probably find me. On TikTok, my band account is at Danny Horowitz. And the one that I use now is at Danny Horvitz one. But if you follow me on TikTok, I'm only going to direct you to my music, which is what I which yeah, is what just I wait want. for him to get banned again. I tell you, you really got to work on this yeah. promotion angle because you know that's what I'm here for. That's what I got you. What do you think I'm here for? All right. Until next time, everybody. Peace. Thanks for being here, Danny. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.